Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Francesca Toey and it's the 24th of January. In this week's podcast we're discussing a trial published today that's investigating a drug combination for the treatment of patients with pancreatic cancer. And joining me today is the lead author of the trial. Hello Professor John Neotolomus. Please can you introduce yourself with your affiliation please. Hi, I'm Professor John Neoptolemos. I'm the Ellen and Evans Owning Chair of Surgery at the University of Liverpool and I'm the lead chief investigator of the SPAC4 trial. Pancreatic cancer is known to have a high mortality rate. How does the rate compare with other cancers and why is it so high? We're not entirely sure why pancreas cancer has such a terrible mortality rate. Presently, it's moving to become the second commonest cause of cancer death, although it's not that common. Of the reasons that it it has such a, a bad reputation, it's deeply situated within the body, within the abdomen, behind the stomach, and symptoms tend to occur rather late. So that's one reason. Another reason is that it seems to have quite complicated genetics and biology associated with it, so that the drugs that we normally give to other cancers and that they cause an effect doesn't seem to work quite so well. And the other thing is that radiotherapy rays are difficult to penetrate the other organs to get to the cancer. Over and above that, uh, the surgery is very, very difficult compared to, say, breast surgery, breast cancer surgery. And the historical time that we've spent in applying additional techniques, chemotherapy and other therapies to pancreas cancer, compared to cancers like breast or colon or rectum or lung, is relatively short. So what are some of the current treatment options for these patients? Most patients that present with pancreas cancer may actually not be suitable for any treatment. This is partly because of age, uh, that there are other complications associated with being older, like blood pressure problems, heart problems, that may preclude them from having any kind of treatment. But of the remainder, we find that the majority of patients present with a locally advanced disease which prevents surgical treatment and or metastasis where the tumour is disseminated to other parts of the body. And in these cases, you need something like systemic chemotherapy. And these systemic chemotherapies, even the best ones, produce a survival rate of around 50% of one year, but at the expense of considerable toxicity. The other patients, maybe 10 to 15%, can have the primary tumour removed, but if that all all that it's done, the survival rate is rather poor and less than 10%. So if we now look at giving chemotherapy, we can greatly increase that. There doesn't seem to be a benefit by giving radiotherapy after surgery. You mentioned some of the chemotherapy drugs, and you've been involved in several previously reported trials for the European Study Group for Pancreatic Cancer, the SPAC, investigating different combinations for patients with this cancer. What is the difference in your latest trial, the SPAC-4, and what are your key findings? So the history of uh, treatment of pancreas cancer has been a tough one to follow. So initially, when we presented proposals in the 1990s to the Medical Research Council and Cancer Research Campaign, the view was that we were wasting our time, that most people after pancreas surgery died within a year, the mortality rate from the surgery was around 40% in hospital, and that there was no way that patients would tolerate the surgery and chemotherapy and radiotherapy afterwards. 
So the first thing that we did as a collective was to show that you could undertake pancreas surgery and you could get post-operative mortality rate of less than 5%. The next thing that we wanted to do, having shown that, was that you could actually give chemotherapy and chemoradiotherapy after surgery without these treatments actually shortening the life. And that was the first pre-SPAC trial that we did. So we showed that that was safe. The next trial was actually SPAC-1. And what we wanted to do here was establish proof of concept as to whether or not chemotherapy was good at improving survival, whether chemoradiation was good at improving survival, or if somehow you needed a combination. And what the SPAC-1 trial clearly showed was to establish firmly the adjuvant chemotherapy using 5-fluorouracil on its own could increase survival from, say, 8% to 16%. And that was very, very important. We also showed that chemoradiation was of no benefit. At that time, it was controversial because in many countries, particularly North America, chemoradiation was the standard of care, and it took them a while to accept that. As SPAC-1 was uh, maturing, another drug came onto the scene called gemcitabine, and the view was that it was only gemcitabine that would work in pancreas cancer and not 5-fluorouracil, and therefore the SPAC-1 trials were not to be believed. So SPAC-3 was a very large trial of 1,100 patients, and this showed very, very clearly that gemcitabine was not better than 5-FU, and they both produced a very similar survival rate. More importantly than that, they absolutely confirmed the results of SPAC-1 in that we were achieving a five-year survival rate of about 16%, bearing in mind that the 20 years beforehand that surgery was almost zero and that chemo radiation after surgery was still under 10%. So what we've done here with SPAC-4 is we've taken a combination of the two drugs, gemcitabine and 5-FU, but in this case, instead of 5-FU being an injection, it is a tablet. So the tablet called capecitabine gets converted to 5-FU in the body. So when we give the gemcitabine and capecitabine together, quite remarkably, without any significant increase in toxicity, we're now able to take the five-year survival rate to nearly 30%. And this is a huge step forward in the treatment of pancreas cancer. So we've gone from 0% of five years to 30% in the lifetime of the SPAC 1, 3 and 4 trials. So you've obviously done a lot of work on this and one of your main findings was that the median overall survival was longer for those who had the combination rather than just the gemcitabine alone. So 28 months versus the 25.5 months. And this might not sound like a large difference but it is quite significant in patients with this type of cancer. Can you put this figure into context? Yes, I mean, I think there's two things to say here. I mean, firstly, those survival figures are after the randomization to the treatment arms. Uh, but that was undertaken at least two months after the surgery. So if you take it from the surgery, those figures are now 30 months and 27.5 months. So that tells you that half the patients that have surgery and GEMCAT, the new combination, will li live at least 30 months. That's quite important, but median survival is only one way of looking at survival, and it depends very much on how the survival curves or the prediction of survival actually happens. So uh, it's not just a steady, similar rate of death or rate of survival. And in fact, the curves dramatically separate after the median time point of 28 to, to 30 months. 
in that those who've had the gemcitabine and capecitabine carry on living, whereas those that have just had the gemcitabine tend to die off quicker. So it's more effective and efficient to look at what's called the hazard ratio of overall survival. And this shows an 18%, that's 1-8% improvement in overall survival. And that's the figure that's really, really important. And obviously, if you're a patient, to be one of the 30% plus that's made it out to five years is also very important. So what might be the next steps for you and your team and the research in this field of pancreatic cancer? I think in terms of what to do next, certainly we have collected all the tissues and we will look at the way those tissues are behaving to the two different types of drugs and drug combinations. And from that, we may be able to actually devise and identify a subgroup of patients who particularly respond well to GEMCAP, say. And then for those who don't, then we can then look at other ways of trying to treat that group of patients. And alternatives include the use of giving treatment before the start of surgery. In other words, even though the tumor can be removed, to actually give chemotherapy to shrink the tumor and to kill off cancer cells that would have already spread at the time of diagnosis. Beyond that, Cancer Research UK is investing a lot in its new scientific strategy of maximizing scientific information from clinical trials so that um, information such as whole genome sequencing or transcriptomics to further characterize the biology of the cancer will then give us additional clues as to what type of newer drugs we can begin to apply in this cancer. Going back to the future research in the field, additional possible ways to further improve on survival for patients with this cancer have suggested to be providing more surgery and increasing post-operative recovery. Would you prioritise the early detection or more research into these treatments such as with the chemotherapy combination of drugs that you used in your article? Obviously, surgery can expand the number of patients we can uh, resect tumours, but we now know that that is very much down to the use of what's called neoadjuvant treatment or chemotherapy or radiotherapy prior to the surgery. But the numbers there aren't going to be great. In terms of post-operative recovery, again, what we can say is that complications after surgery does not affect the use of adjuvant chemotherapy, nor does it affect long-term survival. And starting the chemotherapy sooner doesn't necessarily help you. And we've very, very clearly shown that in SPAC3, that it's more important to wait to say eight, 12 weeks after surgery rather than eight weeks. Because if you go in at eight weeks and the patient's not fully recovered, in other words, they've still got some fatigue, the additional fatigue of chemotherapy can actually mean that you never receive the full six cycles or six months of treatment. Whereas if you wait to 12 weeks after surgery, patients fully recovered, no fatigue, and then they're able to tolerate a full six cycles or six months of the chemotherapy, and they live longer. So I think very much the direction that we need to go in is understanding more about the biology of pancreas cancer and the potential druggable targets. In other words, what are the changes that are taking place within the pancreas cancer that enables us to disrupt its growth uh, and spread A key feature is understanding how the tissue around the cancer cells are contributing to the dissemination of pancreas cancer or its control, the so-called stroma. And in addition to that, finding ways to try and switch on 
the immune system to pancreas cancer cells because we know in the pancreas cancer tumor environment that the immune cells are not working terribly well. In other words, that they're being blocked by chemicals being released by the pancreas cancer itself to stop them working properly. Now, if we can block these anti-immune stimulating or immune inhibiting factors from the pancreas, then it will then enable us to use immunostimulatory drugs in addition to the chemotherapy to help kill the pancreas cancer cell. So I think it's more about the biology, the science of pancreas cancer and how we can practically apply it that is going to give us the immediate way forward. Well, it's been a pleasure discussing your paper with you today and the topic of pancreatic cancer. Many thanks for talking to The Lancet. It's been a pleasure too, thank you.